You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Let's uh, you know, just stand to your feet for a second. And Happy New Year, by the way. Uh, let's just uh, make a couple of... Uh, uh, let's do a little rapping together. Is that good for you? <laughs> Rooted and grounded in love. Hey! Rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. How high and deep and wide and long is Papa God love for me? So when I lift my hand, you say, How high and deep and wide and long is Papa God love for me? Rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. And the problem is I brainwashed you, so when you go to the restaurant, you would just walk around. You may be seated for a few moments. Well, congratulations. Your upgrade is confirmed. And if you have not been in the other building, uh, then uh, you maybe do not know and understand totally how significant this beautiful, beautiful upgrade is. It's like if you're going into the airplane and you're sitting in the back middle seat and suddenly they come and they say, hey, you've been upgraded. And the students take you up front and you have a totally different seat. It's a different experience and an atmosphere. And I believe it is also a prophetic picture for this year. That, but for some of us, if you're not aware that you have been upgraded, and this is sometimes we just have to look at our upgrade certificate so that we do not go back again to what it used to be, but from the very thing that when you're realizing that there's been an upgrade taking place in your life, there's been an upgrade taking place in your family. And I'm just feeling that I'm just going to kind of use it today as just kind of a sharing a little bit, sharing heart just with the family. And I know some of you are visiting here and I'm going to take a few moments just to uh, just sharing my kind of relationship but for Chris and Terry. I still remember one of the times when I used to come and speak at Bethel Atlanta. So actually my history with this region and area, I had been coming to Atlanta quite a bit. Actually, I went to college in Atlanta. I used to drive up from Columbus, Georgia, went to Luther Rice College and Seminary, which is a the same school that Charles Stanley went to, at least where he got his doctor degree. So it was a very good Baptist school, but I drove through Atlanta, and I still remember it did something in my heart about Atlanta already back then. But over the years, I came to Atlanta and spoke in different conferences, and I got me a call about 10 years ago where Bill Johnson, Chris Vallotton, and Danny Silk, they were doing a conference in Noonan, and for some reason, Bill Johnson couldn't come, so they asked me to come, and so we were hanging out there with Chris, and some of you were there in Noonan, and that was kind of the first, yeah, you were there, and so we just had a great, great time together, and from there, I started to minister at Bethel, Atlanta, and we just started to sense a heart of moving to Atlanta, and I just wanted you to know here, uh, as part of that journey, Chris, as an example, was one of those people where if, if you're asking people, you know who is your friends when you ask them, would you like to move? Can you help us to move? We have some heavy furniture. Good. Yeah, good that's a special occasion. Yeah. Yeah, we have heavy furniture. We have some refrigerator. A lot of steps. Many a car, but you are chosen. So we were calling on a lot of different people, but there were some chosen, and Chris was chosen. But I, I don't forget, uh, even back in those days, because it's connected even, every time I say yes to be in one place, I have to say no at least to 10 different places. And so one of the reasons is that I'm saying yes, even to be here this morning, is connected to a relationship. And it's connected to family, it's connected to something that I believe in. It's not just that we believe in God, but God believes in us. And there's something taking place in this atmosphere. And I thought about when I walked into this building, it reminded me when we moved to Atlanta, the first place we stayed in was in an apartment. 
And it was not that it was bad, it was just that we were not used to it. We left a very nice home, and sometimes we have to give up to go up. And I felt that was kind of connected to the word I felt for this church, that, that it is time for you to give up to go up. And sometimes we think that going from glory to glory looks like this, but it often looks like this. That you sometimes have to give up to go up. And uh, I, I do believe that there's something that God is doing in this season for a lot of us, that we have to give up something that we have. We cannot continue what we have if we're going to go to where we need to be. So that's why we're going to give up something to go up. But in this incredible season and this journey, watching what God has done here, and it's like what He did in our family, that when we moved into this apartment, that was kind of my reminder this morning, that when I lived in the apartment, I'm very grateful for that season now looking back. It was hard. We had two dogs in a small apartment, and, and we had more kids than we had bedrooms, and we had that setting for about 18 months while we were actually dreaming of our dream home. And it took about 18 months, but every single day I have such a gratitude when I'm walking into my home or driving into my driveway. And, and the atmosphere, the environment is there is just so full of gratitude, mainly because of the process that we've been through. So I'm saying that even now as you have been on a process, I think this is just the starting point in this place. But I felt this morning God says that your upgrade has been confirmed. And that there is a whole new season for you so that you can look at your upgrade certificate and have a whole different lay, a whole different way of expectation. And I felt that I have a word as well as a prophetic activation this morning and uh, just to be able to bring you into your upgrade. So how many are ready for your upgrade? Say I am richly. Say I am richly. I am richly. Let's say it again. Say I am richly. Blessed. blessed. So I am deeply, deeply loved. loved. And I'm highly favored. Say that one more time. I, I am richly, I am richly blessed. blessed. I am deeply, I deeply loved. loved. And I'm highly, I'm highly favored. Let that go in. I am richly blessed. I am deeply loved. And I am highly favored. I am richly blessed, and I am deeply loved, and I'm highly favored. My family, we are deep, we are richly blessed, and deeply loved, and highly favored. We have been rooted, and we have been grounded in love. The root system goes all the way back into that perfect love. Ephesians 1.4, he says, even before the foundation of the world, I knew you. So where, who are you actually? Who are you? Because if the Bible says before the foundation of the world, before there was a creation, before there was a fall, before actually there was an orphan spirit, before Lucifer left heaven with one third of the orphans, God knew you. So who are you? And you were pre, you were pre, you were predestined. Part of your destiny that you were predestined in love. So actually, congratulations. You started out in glory. Together with the Father, together with the Son, and together with the Holy Spirit. You were there with them, Ephesians 1.4. You were there with them in the beginning. Part of the very family of heaven. What sin actually made you fall short of glory. What Jesus came was to restore you back again to glory because you are glorious. And if not, what we're going to do is we're always going to deal with sin management instead of glory management. Could I say that again? If you're not aware of who you are... What you're going to do is you're always dealing with sin management instead of glory management. But when you know that the starting point is glory, and you have to be in glory if you're going to go from glory to glory. You have to be in faith if you're going to go from faith to faith. So the starting point is very, very important as possible. So what I wanted to do today, very, very simple. If I could take all of us on the travel machine, and part of what I wanted to do is just color a very dream. Because we are talking about this kingdom family movement. We are talking about being a family around His presence. We are talking actually about what does this healthy kingdom family look like? If God is a family, if God is a father, God is a son, and God is a Holy Spirit. And He said, let us, Father, Son, Spirit, make man in our image. What does that image look like? 
What does healthy kingdom family look like? What does it look like when you are suddenly becoming part of the family of heaven? And how does that look like when that is being manifested here on earth? What is the difference between being an orphan and a beloved son and daughter? And some of those things. So I just want to kind of give an overview. And then I want to actually just release to you who you are. Because you're going to get an upgrade, and I heard it very clearly this morning, in your identity. Say identity. And from that identity, you're going to get an upgrade in authority. Say authority. authority. Say identity. identity. Say authority. authority. So let me then start. The Bible starts with Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God. To put it in a very simple, begin with God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Begin with God. In the beginning, there was a Father, there was a Son, there was a Holy Spirit. The word for God is the word Elohim. So when you're talking about a God, it is a plural word that is used. So the first verse of the Bible says, in the beginning, there is a Father, there is a Son, and there is a Holy Spirit. In the beginning, there was a family. And if I had an opportunity to take you up to heaven, back to eternity past, where you met the Father, you met the Son, and you met the Holy Spirit. And I would ask you a question. Who do you think is the most important? Is it the Father? Is it the Son? Or is it the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes. If you look at the Father, He points to the Son. If you look at the Son, He points to the Spirit. If you look at the Spirit, He points to the Son. And the Son points to the Father. The Son says, all I do is what I see my Father do. And all I say is what I hear my Father say. He came to reflect who Papa is like. He says, I'll glorify you here on earth and I'll finish everything that you called me to do. The Son is totally comfortable being the Son. The Father, say that when you say the Father. Father. Love the Son. The Son loved the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. And they are totally one. That's the prayer in John 17 for us. To be totally one just as the Father, Son, and Spirit is one. And I want you to capture this. Honor is what love looks like. And you will see that by the way we honor one another. So this family culture in heaven, the super glue that kept it together, that kept them totally connected, that kept them in oneness, in such a unity. And that's how the world is going to see who we are when we are tapping into that unity, into that oneness. Be careful, this kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. And you may become a happy Christian. And maybe the joy of the Lord will be your strength. What would it look like if we received that love, became love, and started to release that love into our homes, into our communities? So the people would say, I know who your papa is. I know who your dad is. When I'm looking at you, I can see the father. When we start to reflect who our family are heaven. And that starts to reflect because there's something in the DNA of every person that's looking for a home. And you can have a 10,000 square foot house and still not have a home. And home is this place of belonging. And in the orphan world is that you have to, you have to behave to believe to become. But in the family is because I belong. And because of I belong, I believe. And because I believe, I behave. I don't know if you can see the difference. In the orphan world, you have to behave. You have to behave, and then you have to believe, and then you can belong. But in the family system, is I belong, and because of that belonging, I believe, and because of that believing, I start to behave. So Jesus brought around about 12 guys into a covenant relationship and invited them for about three years of belonging before the believing games. And then the believing started to release a new type of behavior. Because the one that you're beholding is the one you're becoming. And what you become is what you start to release. So to take you back in the beginning, in the beginning, there was this beautiful family in heaven. And one day the Father, Son, Spirit, in total unity and oneness, they say, let us. Genesis, and if you see Genesis 1, 26 and 27, but this beautiful picture, let us. Make man in our image. Let's create on earth like what we have in heaven. Let's create a prototype. Let's create a family. And that's why we're saying that the kingdom is a family. 
Heaven on earth will only be entrusted to a family. But also in heaven, as the Father is loving the Son, the Son is loving the Spirit, and the Spirit is loving the Son, and Son is loving the Father. In this environment, there was one, and his name was Lucifer. Say that, Lucifer. And I want you to capture, because this is a key. Lucifer, at the root of Lucifer, and here's what led to the fall. And it's still leading to the fall of every single one of us. Lucifer didn't love Lucifer the way that the Father was loving Lucifer. When you read in Isaiah 40 and you read Ezekiel, you'll find very clearly that Lucifer, why are you God and I am just a worship leader? And if I become like you, I'm going to feel better about myself. You will never see the son say, why are you the father and I'm the son? Or why are you the pastor and I'm just a youth pastor? Can you see, that's the orphan tendency that came with Lucifer and came with the father. But the root of this is Lucifer didn't love Lucifer the way that the father loved Lucifer. The father loved the son, but I want you to capture this. The son loved the son the way that the father loved the son. Let me say that one more time. It was not just receiving the perfect love of their father, but the son was totally at one man, covenant. He was totally at one man with the father. He believed in what the father, the love that the father has towards him. The son loved the son in the way the father loved the son. And that's that perfect love that takes away all fear. There is no fear. There is totally connection. Fear disconnects, but love totally connects. Between husband and wives, between us as a community. And that's one of the reasons that what we do want is to get rid of fear. Because perfect love casts out fear. And that's one of the reasons we release a baptism of love. So that the perfect love of the Father can go into the deepest root here in our life. So we don't have any fear. Because fear controls. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. And that's another part of this culture. This is a culture of freedom. A place to dream. Knowing who God is, but also knowing who I am. Then I can see who you are. When I'm looking up, then I can look in. And then I can look out. And then I look forward. And when I'm looking up, I'm seeing the face of a loving Father. I'm hearing the voice of a loving Father. So to make this and take this story one step further, I'm just giving you a framework today. Eventually, after six and a half days of creation, it's a beautiful picture. The Spirit is hovering over the earth and God speaks. Just that one principle in Genesis. When the Spirit starts stirring, that's why this is a family around His presence. When His presence is there and the Spirit starts hovering, it's like a hummingbird. And just comes in. When the Spirit starts stirring and God starts speaking, creation starts to happen. That's why you also create an environment when the Spirit starts stirring. So the Spirit was hovering and God was speaking and creation was taking place. And after about six and a half days of creation, God goes into the highlight of His creation. He goes down into dust and takes the dust up of the ground and He breathes. And when He breathes, Adam, I believe the first thing that Adam ever says is, God breathed, Adam, the first word I believe Adam ever says was, God breathed, and Adam, the first face that Adam ever sees is the face of a loving father. The first voice that Adam ever hears is the voice of a loving father. The first feeling Adam ever had was the perfect love of his father. The first experience Adam ever had was the very presence of his father. And the place Eden, say Eden. The word Eden means delight or pleasure. He was placed in the delight and the pleasure of his father. Why is this important? Because this is what we are talking about. This is what Jesus came to restore us back again to see the father's face. To hear the Father's voice so we can be a prophetic people. To feel His love so we're not looking for love in the wrong places. Either in rebellion or religion. But when we're experiencing that love, we're not going to look for other lovers. That love satisfies. 
And that's the love we receive so that we can become, so we can release. And then in this journey, when we're experiencing His presence and we're becoming a family around His presence, when that beautiful dove comes and rests upon us, then we become rest so we can become a resting place. We don't want to live with pigeons, but we can live with a dove. And we know that when the dove is there, we are anointed. When the pigeons are there, we are annoying. How many of you know the difference? I've been married for 30 years this year. March 25th. Next Sunday is my birthday. That's a lot of celebration coming up. And GMA as a kingdom family been 20 years. But I still remember it was now 20 years since these things that we're talking about this morning became a message. 20 years this year. And it started as a seed. Now it's become a forest. That seed became a tree. And that tree is now becoming a forest. And that's why it's been fun for me now to see places like IHOP and Mike Bickle. They start to talk about family. No, we need family. We need to be a kingdom family. We cannot just do conferences. We cannot just have gathering places where orphans come together. We need family. And we've seen this language now all over the world. And this used to be a tolerated message. Now it's being celebrated. It seems like there's something in the DNA of people. They want a home. Not just a house, but a home. A place of belonging. A place where I can call home. A place where I find my identity. And then out of the identity, there's into me see. Into me see. Seeing into me and seeing into you. So we can connect with one another. We're not fake. We're not come. How are you doing? Well, fine. What about you? All these walls. We don't have to live with fig leaves. Fig leaves are fear and insecurities and guilt and loneliness and escapism and anxiety and failure. F I G, fig, fear, insecurity, guilt. We don't have to live with shame. We don't have to live with those different things. And that's part of the reason that this becomes a place where we can come back to the beginning. Becoming, no, this is who I am. And that's the reminder even this morning. Because this is the upgrade. The upgrade is to take you back into the beginning. Where you can see you the way Papa God sees you. And then the way you look at everything else is going to change. Where you can again see His face and He is smiling, not frowning. Where you can hear His voice. Because there's a lot of noise going on. You can feel His love. Not just know about that He loves me. I can feel. And His love goes into the deepest areas of my life. So, if we're going back to that picture at the beginning. When Adam suddenly got his identity. Had seen His face. Say, see His face. Say, hear His voice. Say, feel His love. Experiencing His presence. And living in His pleasure. You're becoming, and then you lean forward, you're releasing. But lean forward, lean back, lean back. Receive my love, and then you release love. Receive my joy, you become joy, and then the joy becomes your strength, and you release it. Receive my peace, you become peaceful, and then out of that, you start to release. And blessed are the peacemakers, they are the sons and daughters of God. You receive, say receive. Then you become, say become. Then you release. Receive, become, release, receive, become, release. And then God put Adam asleep. Now Adam is resting. And I want you to know that this is a beautiful principle because you're going to see that rest is going to be your new weapon of warfare. Can I say that again? I say rest is going to be your new weapon of warfare. Everything that the enemy is doing, everything that Lucifer is doing, and everything connected to the orphan heart is restless in nature. The difference with sonship and daughtership, 
this, from this identity there is rest, resting. First of all, who is my papa? Who is my big brother? Resting in the spirit. Out of that resting place, it becomes a weapon where you're wearing the enemy out by resting. Let me say that again. You are actually from this resting place, you're wearing the enemy out. So this is what happened. Adam was resting and God was working. So while Adam was, was resting, that God was creating, and I want all of you ladies to wave to me. Say, wow. <laughs> One more time, say, wow. I want all of you ladies to capture it because this is connection to what God is doing now as a bigger picture. Now what God does, as Adam is resting, we know he took the rib and then he does something. He creates my question will be to all of you ladies, who do you believe that Eve saw before she saw Adam? Because the Bible says God brought Eve to Adam. So where was Eve before she was with Adam? Which face do you think that she saw? Which voice did she hear? Which love did she feel? Which experience did she have? The presence of Papa. And then she was living in the pleasure of the Father. Adam has an A+, plus. Eve got an A+. Plus. So you will never live from measure, you will always live from fullness. Can I say that one more time? So that you no longer will live from measure, but you will live from fullness. And this is very, very important, because this is what Jesus came to restore us back again, when you can see his face, hear his voice, and then God brought Eve to Adam. And then the Father blessed them. And I want us to capture this because this is so important. It takes a Father's blessing to unlock the destiny in sons and daughters. Now God blessed them, and He didn't bless them to do, He said bless them to be. Be, be fruitful, be fruitful, multiply, and then you will have dominion over what you become. So he blessed them to be, be love, be joy, be peace. As I am, so are you. And he blessed them to be fruitful. Because what you become now, you can multiply, you can give it away. You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. So what you become, you can release and you can give it away. That's why this receive, become, release. You receive his love, become love, and you release love. You receive his power, so you become powerful. You receive His wisdom, it is His wisdom. And this is just this beautiful journey of sons and daughters, so that we're living from inheritance, not towards inheritance. Can you say amen to that? Yes. Are you okay? Yes. Did you capture it? Very quickly, and then we're going to start to land this. I'm just giving us a framework where we talk about a kingdom family. What does that look like? Now, Adam and Eve, you had the first marriage be ordained by God, blessed by God. And then together, husband and wife were supposed to be totally one, just as the Father, Son, Spirit is one. And you may be saying, but then sin came in. Yes, it did. Then the fall came in, and we know no longer did they have the connection. No longer did they have the intimacy. They started to cover up. They started with a blame and a shame game. And the orphan world had started because Lucifer as an orphan, he came into the garden like a serpent and he starts to ask the question. I believe that Lucifer was the first liberal theologian. <laughs> Lucifer came in and he started to ask the question, did God really say? I, I know what I'm feeling going on in my body and it is true. I have this ear clogged up and I have this thing for five months with vertigo. It is true, but knowing the truth sets you free. And it is true what I'm feeling. I'm not being dishonest about it, but knowing the truth, by His stripes I am healed. He's my healer. He's my strength. He's my sufficiency. He's my abundance. He's my joy. He is my wisdom. He is my power. The Lucifer comes. Did God really say? Listen, is God really good? And are you really good enough? If you do something, then you will have something. Then you will become something. If you eat from this tree, you're going to be like Papa. 
hey, don't you want to be like Jesus? Yes. Yeah, then you have to do something. You eat from this. Then you're going to be like him. Can you see the trick? That's Lucifer. That's the orphan mob. Capture this because this is going to be in the root of all what we do. I do say I do. Then I have. Then I become. And you will never do enough. But the difference for family is say I am. I have. I do. Can you see the difference? Sonship and daughtership, I am. Say I am. And because I am, I have. And because of what I have, I do. It is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. Be careful. So as a result of the fall, and we know what happened, the world became an orphanage. We have seven and a half billion people in the world. And the world is living under this thing. And all is Lucifer. You can get saved, born again, getting to heaven, but still on the inside, living in fear, not having a hope, not seeing his face and you're looking around everywhere, not hearing his voice because there's constantly the other voice, not feeling his love and you're looking for love. And this is part of why I believe that this incredible reformation that is taking place right now, this agape reformation, this tsunami wave of love that is sweeping across the world, this baptism of love that connects us back again to what we were born for. To receive love, become love, and give love. This is what this family is all about. And imagine that one can do a thousand to ten thousand. So I have something that Chris doesn't have. Chris has something I don't have. Then Terry has something I don't have. And then together, just imagine us. And then if you add everybody else together, can you see the danger? When we are becoming one just as the Father, Son, Spirit is one. Then in the family system, everybody's coming to the family table, not just to come to see what you can get, but what can I give? Because I have something to bring to the family table. And in the orphan world, I constantly give me, touch me, bless me, fill me, 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 me. And in the sons and daughters, it's because freely I receive, freely I give. How can I add value to you? Because I'm valuable. How can I bless you? Because I am blessed. And it's a whole different way of living and loving. So when Jesus then, in John 14, 18, he says, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. But he says, I want to bring you back again to the original intention of what God had created for your life and for your family. Not as an orphan, but as a beloved son and daughter. To wake up in the morning, it's not always easy, but God is good. And the two simple things, God is good, but here's the second important thing. I am good enough. Can I say that one more time? It's not just to get a revelation how good God is, but I'm good enough. That means I cannot add anything to what Jesus did. I already have an A+. Plus. And if not, the orphan spirit were coming in there and says, you need to do something so you can have something. You become something. No, let me tell you something. I had an F, but Jesus had an A+. Plus. He took my F and he gave me his A+. Plus. What is true of him is now true of me. That's why we are seeking first his kingdom, not my kingdom. Not this kingdom, but his kingdom and his righteousness, not my righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Put that in a simple way this year. If there's the one thing, the one thing we focus on, this is my life verse. Papa Jack, as a grandpa, in his, his life verse. Let's just prioritize by seeking first. And then watch what's going to happen in your life as all these things shall be added unto you. Finances shall be added unto you. Joy shall be added unto you. Freedom shall be added unto you. Everything is just going to flow. You're putting Him first and who you are in Him and who He is in you. And watch what God is going to do. Now He is going to add. But sometimes when we have other things on the top of the priority list, other things is being subtracted from us. The enemy is coming in and he comes to kill, steal and destroy. But Jesus always came to give life and life more abundantly. Do I have seven minutes left? 
Are you okay? How many of you are okay? Let's just root little ground in love. Root little ground in love. My root system goes all the way back to this perfect love. And my foundation is totally built upon His love. Ephesians 3, 17b. Rooted and grounded in love. Then we're stepping into this love so we can understand and measure how high and deep and wide and long this love is. How? When I lift my hand, what do you say? You're rooted and grounded in love. So you know how high, deep, why? Hey, just means I agree with you. <laughs> so when you do that, we're stepping into this love. Because listen, how comfortable you are with love has to do with how comfortable you are with God. Because God is love. 1 John 4, 16. And John, 1 John 4, 17 says, As I am, so are you in this and it starts by us stepping in to this ocean of love to be drowned in that perfect love of the Father so that we can experience it. It doesn't matter what you're going through because there is a depth of His love that you're not experienced yet. There's a width of its length of His love, a length and a height of His love that you can step into. And then the Bible says, then fullness dwells in there. Can I say that in another way? You can have as much of the fullness of God as you allow His love to go deep, wide, long, and high in your life. Can I say that again? You can have this, but you don't have to have measure. We just are oh, 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 limited to measure, including in power and wisdom based upon how much fullness we can handle. And God is going to get to us as much according to how much love and the places where love can go into our life. So when we no longer have the love deficiency, we don't have the God deficiencies. And we're not looking for love in the wrong places. And then it goes into Ephesians 3.20. That I think that many of us love and For some of us, it is the life verse. Say now. now. Say now. now. Not yesterday. Not 2018. Not 2020. But say now. now. And it is a now word. About a now season, now to him, now to him who is, now to him who is able. Say he is able. Yes. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can think and ask. All of that is connected to rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. How high and deep and wide and long is Papa God love for me? So that the fullness, fullness, fullness dwells in there. The fullness of Jesus, Christ in you, that is the hope of glory around you. So that you can step into now, not yes, now, whatever issue, now to Him. Now to Him who is. Now to Him who is able. Now to Him, him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than I can think and ask. We're stepping into that fullness of season of God's ability. So, part of the family, part of this atmosphere, a family around His presence. Sons and daughters coming together is an individual journey that we have to see, hear, feel, experiencing His presence, living in His pleasure. Husbands and wives coming together. We as a family of families coming together. That this family with other families are coming together. Where we are not competing with one another, but we are completing one another. Where we are not disconnected, but we connect with one another. Because that's what love does. Can you start to see how this is going to change cities and nations? And it doesn't take a whole lot of this to be able to start to bring transformation. And this is what's taking place. I brought the... Uh, You cannot run too long. Because I'm coming after you, Chris.
you, we have, you have four or five minutes. I brought with me something, and this is a custom-built rod for you and for this family. It says, Kingdom Family. And so you're going to get two messages today. One of them that I just shared, which is the framework. What do I hope that you're going to get from the framework? The framework, to put it in a very simple way, here's a little outline of what I just said this morning. That what the Father wants us to experience, first of all, to know how good He is, but also to see ourselves the way He sees us as good enough. What Jesus did, it was good enough. Not just knowing how much He loves us, but for me to love me the way that He loves me. And how does that look like in every area of your life? Not just experiencing His love, but to become love and go through the process. And I had a person just the other day that said, I don't know exactly what's going on. I received this baptism of love to one of your meetings. And when I experienced all this fear and anger came out, and I said, good. They said, no, no, no. You understand, I feel more rage and anger than ever before. I said, good. He said, I don't understand. I said, let me explain. What you're experiencing is was a seed of love that went in. So that seed is now being rooted and grounded in love. And it goes in and it starts to take over. And you're about to become a tree of love. But when perfect love moves in, fear moves out. Anxiety moves out. All these things is coming out because it's love is taking over. And you start to have the eyes of love and the ears of love. And you're just starting to sense the manifestation of love. So love is about to take over. So just get rid of it. Let go. Just let go. And let God. But I brought this rod with me for seven days. I was actually going to preach about the rod. This was going to be my message. But I'm just giving you this as a simple framework because I believe it's going to be for all of us, but also for the church. Something to take with you for the rest. Say the rest. For the rest of this year. I don't know if you captured when I said that. For the rest of this year. For the rest of this year. That was double for your trouble. <laughs> so the rest comes here. There's rest. There's this rest. And then it flows into the rest of this year. But this story, and it came very clear when uh, Chris asked, because I actually, we had some other plans, but I felt I was supposed to be here. And then we had somebody had custom made, and I had only one of these as a kingdom family. And I knew at that moment the timing was just very interesting because I didn't even know it had been laying there in the garage. And so when I unpacked it, so it was the same timing, so I knew that was to be able to release. But this rod represents something very significant. I give you very less than five minutes of an overview of this rod. But in Exodus 3, what the story is actually about, God was about to take his people from Egypt and into the promised land. You have a promised land for your life. But often what we do is, many of you have been in the wilderness between Egypt and the promised land. The land of promises. The promised land is not where you get to heaven. And the scripture verse, I want you just to keep it in mind because I was, this is where I was about to preach until I felt that we were supposed to focus just on the framework. But if you're looking there at Joshua 21, verse 41 to 45, just keep that in your spirit. Joshua 21 and 41 to 45. The reason I'm just putting this because this is some verses for you for this whole season. This was actually a season where Israel at this moment, they had come into their promised land. But this moment, at this moment, say this moment. When Israel was there, suddenly there was rest on all sides. Say there was rest on all sides. When they were there, there was no poverty. There was no more enemy. For the next seven years, what they had done is they had conquered seven different giants that was in there. Seven different kingdoms. Seven different nations greater than them. They thrown that off their promised land. So they've been on this long journey. And many of us have been on this journey. We've been on a journey. No, we're no longer in Egypt. But we're not yet coming to our promises. And there's more than God had for us. There's more than He had for us as a family. More than He had for us as a church. So we've been on this long journey through the wilderness. And now we're heading into this promised land. The problem we have with a promised land, because God says, I'm going to give you your promised land. There's these giants there. 
And then how do you deal with some of those giants? It's not that I'm with a priest, but I wanted you just to see the story here with Moses, and we're going to remember the story. God comes to Moses and says, Moses, the time has come. I want you to take my people, and I'm going to take them out of Egypt. Three million people, you're going to take them out of Egypt and into their promised land. Moses and his story, and now you get two sermons in one. Not planned for today, but I'm just very generous. This is just a little dessert in the end. So Moses there, as I say in his journey, Moses first was qualified. Say qualified. He, he spent about 40 years as a little baby boy. The enemy was trying to kill him. He ended up in Pharaoh's house. He actually ended up in the palace learning everything about the world system in Egypt. Until after 40 years he gets qualified and he is about to start his ministry. Then he kills an Egyptian. That's not a good way to stop ministry. So when you get ordained, your first day of ordination, don't kill anybody. It's just a... But then the next thing is two Israeli, two of the brothers are fighting and he said, well, you're going to do to us what you did to the Egyptian. Now out of fear, he ends up in the wilderness and he ends up as a shepherd and as a shepherd boy. So he is in his wilderness. Later on, he's going to learn about taking people through the wilderness. And let me just give you a couple of kingdom principles here. Where the serpent has bitten you is where you have the greatest authority. If I had an hour with each one of you and you told me here is where the enemy has attacked me, I can tell you what your destiny is. Why is he trying to kill the baby boys? Because Moses is deliverer's God. So the enemy is picking up some of those signals. Another thing that I want you to start to see is that Moses spent his 40 years to get qualified, but now he spent another 40 years to get disqualified. And that's how you become qualified. For 40 years he learned all the things that he needed to know to be able to do the job. Then he spent 40 years to learn how to not do the job. All he knows how to do is to be a shepherd boy. And now we're going into the activation. So in Exodus 3, Moses is like, God, God, but you do not understand. What do I tell Pharaoh and what do I tell three million people? And God said, just tell them that I am have sent you. And I'm sure that Moses said, but God, that's not good grammar. <laughs> you go to three million people, I am have sent me. <laughs> I am. But if you capture that, and if you capture that as a family today, it's going to change your life forever. Because if you capture, I am, I am, I am. Not I was, I'm going to be, but I am. Now, now, I am. You are what? If you capture the I am, I am your healer. I am your sufficiency. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am your provider. I am your peace. I am Jehovah Shalom. Whatever issue you have, I am, I am, I am. I am your strength. I am your sufficiency. I am your wisdom. I am, I am, I am. The only response back again, you are. You are my wisdom. You are my strength. You are my sufficiency. You are my power. You are my authority. You are, you are. And the people around us will say, he is. Atlanta will say, he is. The people in the neighborhood will say, he is. He is a good God. He is a loving God. He is a wise God. He is a healing God. He is, he is. When God's people capture the I am, the response back again is worship presence you are. And the people around us will say, He is. Say that with me. Say, I am. I am. You, are. you are. He is. Yes. <clears throat> and then in Exodus 4, they come in. God says, Moses, what do you have in your hand? I got a rod. It's a shepherd's rod. And that's the question this morning for each one of us. What do you have? And I started this whole morning with, it's time for you to give up so that you can go on. Your upgrade has been confirmed. What do you have in your hand? I got a ministry. 22 nations, budget, got some staff, have a wife, got four children, son, I got this financial situation, I'm gonna be in Pakistan in March, and totally impossible, I had this huge budget, and supposed to be with government officials, supposed to, uh, six different Muslims. Pressure, can you feel it? As soon as I'm starting for Moses, what do you have in your hand? I got a rod, what kind of a rod? It's a shepherd's rod, it's my occupation. It's been with me for 40 years, being carved. 
It's been my faithfulness. This is my identity, but it's also my provision. It's also my protection. It's everything that I have. <coughs> and some of us, we've been in this journey. And it's the best thing that we can do for God instead of from God. Can I say that one more time? It is the best that we can do for God, but not from God. Who are you? What do you have in your hand? I got, and God says, Moses, I want you to lay it on. And I'm sure that Moses would say some of the same thing. God, this ministry, is it your ministry life or my ministry? Is it your church or is it my church? Is it your movement or is it my movement? Why, well, why do you have this burden if it is my burden is easy and my yoke is light? Last year, that's why I needed this rod. I gave it to a billionaire in Indonesia, my last rod, and I've been without a rod. I travel with you all over the world. That's why I'm giving this to you in a couple of minutes. This custom bill rod that was given and handmade for me that says Kingdom Family. When I go to Pakistan, I would have a rod with me, mainly because I want you to have that in your home. I want every individual to carry that. I want the church to carry that. I want us just a simple thing, and I know I put two things together, but this is part of the big picture. I want you to lay it on. But God, you don't understand. This is my identity. This is what I've done all these years. Lay down your rejection. Lay down your fear. Lay down your shame. Lay down your burden. Lay down whatever whatever had to do with it. That's no longer now. I want you to lay it on the God. This is my identity. It's my protection. It's my retirement. It's lay it down. And this is not something I do daily. This reason I brought this here was because this is where I'm at. Friday, I wanted to almost give up. I just have five giants in my body going on and I wrote a book called Giant Slayers. And one of them has just almost drive me crazy for five months, night and day. And everything I want to do, he said, lay it out. What do you have in your hand? Lay it out. When Moses laid it out, it became a serpent. And we do not know if there's any poisonous nature even in the things that God has given us until we totally lay it down. Listen, until you become free from it, you cannot totally be trusted with it. Did I say that one more time? Until you become totally free from it, you cannot be totally trusted with it. And the difficult thing, this is over and over again. Leif, what do you have in your hand? <gasps> Got it. Lay it down. Leif, what do you... And every time I feel the pressure, every time I feel this, I remember the rod. He says, Leif, what do you have in your hand? Lay it out. And I lay it out again and again. And it becomes a serpent. But here, all the poisonous nature, all your fear moves out when the love comes in. All your sadness and depression moves out when the perfect joy comes in. Friday night, I lay this rod down again. And nothing has changed in my circumstance, but I have changed. And it's no longer me facing all these things. So I'm meeting with this doctor, this specialist, this surgeon. I've tried everything for five months. This ear, ringing sound, not being able to hear, just even when I hear my voice now, it's awful. And you see me sweating, it's just a torment going on. I can't do my exercise, I can't do all these things I'm supposed to do for my sciatica. I could just go through the list and whine. That's what I did on Friday instead of shining. With my weakness, he's my strength. And I'm going to get healed because by his stripes I'm healed. And then he says, Leif, do you see that rod? I say, yes, it's a serpent. I want you to pick it up. But God! And then we pick it up. And when you pick it up, it is no longer your rod. It is his rod. It's his identity. It is his power. It is his authority. It is his provision. It is his presence. And as long as we're holding it up, but I have three million people. And God, you don't understand it. Why are you complaining? What do you have in your hand? God, I don't have the time to talk about Iran right now. I'm talking about there's three million Jews and they want to go back again to Egypt. So if you feel things is difficult, remember the story. Three million acting like orphans. Why are you complaining? But God says, what do you have in your hand? 
I got you. I got your presence. I got your sufficiency. I got your strength. I got your freedom. I got your healing power. I got you. So what's the problem? God, I don't have a problem. You have a problem. Those three million people of yours, what are you going to do about it? That financial situation, what are you going to do about it? This issue I have in my ear, what are you going to do about it? This mission to Pakistan, what are you going to do about it? What's going on in my sciatica, what are you going to do? And the list just goes on. Because you are, you are my provider. You are my sufficiency. You are my wisdom. You are, you are, you are. And the world around us will say, he is. Then you get caught this year, and I want you to know, because you will remember this message. You will be caught before you, and the Red Sea is in front of you, and it's totally impossible. And behind you, the army of Pharaoh is coming, and you're caught between the rock and the hard place. That can be financial, when you get the diagnosis, something happens again, and then you're going to remember this story. And that's why I have to carry, I have another one, but not nice like this. Because you give up to go up. This is going to belong to Chris and Terry. So when I'm standing there in front of my Red Sea and the army is coming to kill me, what do you have in your hand? Lay down and pick up my ability, my power, my authority. And he opened it up, the Red Sea opened, closed and Pharaoh and his army. And here's the picture, and this is the last one, and then we pray. I've landed this plane three times. <laughs> but this is very important. But in the next moment, his arms start to get tired. We're putting up the furniture. We're getting up the sound. We're paying for this. We're outreaching the people. We're having the small groups. Things are growing. This is expanding. My arms are tired. And Moses doing God's work, God's way, with God's power. It's still tired. That's why I have people like Kaylee. In my life, and Tariq, and I have people like you that come along and say, Leif, don't give up. I have partners that are with us, and other ones that say, Leif, let us come. And I know you're not hearing very well, but let us listen for you. <laughs> let us help you to hold up the rod of God. And I want you to stand up to your feet and just a very simple personal exercise. And then I don't want you to carry with you anything this year. But can I do three things specifically? Any one of you struggling with any of the regrets when you're looking in the past mirror and over and over again there is some of these regrets that come back. I want you to just wave to me because I knew there was, yeah. Because I saw that he said that he's going to heal what has been in the past. And I just saw Romans 8.28 where he says that I'm going to use all things including your, even if it was your fault or somebody else's fault. But I didn't think that was it. I'm going to use all things I forget because I love you your call according to my purpose. Number two, I heard what he wanted to heal was shame. Nobody in this room need to walk into this year with shame. And pretty much what shame says, who you are not instead of who you are. Shame lies to you. It's shame trying to focus on who you are not instead of who you are. It's maybe true, but it's not the truth. And only the truth sets you free. No more shame. So if you've been struggling with shame in any area of your life, the enemy kind of blackmails you, takes away freedom. Any area of shame, just wave your hand to me. And then even in regard to fear, you're facing things this year, it could be finances, family. It's kind of you're kind of tired even going into this year, started this year, and you're looking at it's actually fear for the future. Some of the things that you're going to face. I want you to wave to me because that's the third. And I think we always have cover. I want you to see what do you have in your hand? Do you think it's that kind of wrong? <coughs> identity. For Moses, it was a shepherd. Make on your identity. Your whole identity. Pick on your identity. I want you to hold out your hands like this. And I want you at this very moment. Imagine if you have a rod in your hand at this moment. We're going to place. Regrets, we're going to face shame, we're going to face fear, and any other things. And we're going to become free from it today. So even at this moment, I thank you, Holy Spirit.
that you're about to transform. Just like on Friday when I had this amazing visitation. And you've restored hope back. Hope deferred made your heart sick. And when you start to desire again and dream again, it is the tree of life. And I just even see that God says, Leif, I want you to be my lid lifter. Whoa! And lift a lid over people's life. And the picture I saw is that people have been, have been having expectation for so long that it leads to so much disappointment. It's so painful when I hope and when I try and when, so I just set up to go lower. And if I'm just staying lower, then, then the next one I don't get hit this way. I don't expect much because then I don't have to live with a disappointment. But he's going to heal that today. So Father, even in the name of Jesus, I just release the first baptism of hope. Thank you for the healing of hope. Healing. No more regrets. No more shame. And no more fear. Around one, two, three. I want you to lay down. Whatever is in that rotten, let any of them get out of it. Because it is either his or it is his. Capture this one more time. It either have that his or it is his. So let's get that his out so we can get his in. His identity. His perfect his joy, his power, his freedom. And can we then take and pick up, let's pick up at this moment. And normally we'll take a little bit more down, but hold up the rod of God. I want you to hold up. When you're looking at the past, you see his faithfulness. You see his goodness and kindness in the middle of everything you've been through. When you're looking at the presence, there's no more shame. It is an identity. That's my beloved son. That's my beloved daughter. That's how I see you. And looking at the future, it is no longer full of fear, but it's full of hope. Full of upgrades. We've received it. And Chris and Terry, as you are holding up, I want you to come up here. And I want you to give this rod to you. And I'm releasing even fresh importation of love, power, and wisdom. The very rod of God. I just release even at this very moment. No longer a burden. We lay down the burden and just full of blessing. Whoa. <laughs> and you have the heaviness of even carrying the weight of doing God's will. I thank you, Father, that the upgrade is comfort. And I think even when your arms get tired, knowing that myself, and our family around the world where they are and say, hey, don't give up. Hold on. We're going to come there. We're going to hold on every word, every promise that God has. Whoa. So I bless. I bless you. I bless your family with covenant blessing over your family. I bless your finances. I bless research as a family. I bless whoa, what you're doing in Atlanta. I bless the city of Atlanta and the impact that every one of the sons and daughters of God being connected here. And I bless the nations. Whoa! The east and the west and the north and the south for the nations both to come and also that you will not be known for the seeding capacity but the sending capacity. You have sons and daughters of glory. Blessed are the ones with their quiver full of sons and daughters. Be shot Whoa. into their destiny. I want us just to worship just for a second and you just thank him and just you just turn around and hold up the rod of God. Can we then over turn just turn that around and it's just gonna be a Tom, I want you and Sherry also to come in. And I want you also for over your home. And this is for all of us. This is not just for them, it's for all of us. But the kingdom family, I think that we are seeing the picture. Hold up your arms for a few moments over your family. Something has taken place in the spirit realm, and you will remember this moment. But for the next 365 days, I pray if you don't have a rod, find a rod or something, keep it in your home, keep it in your heart, 
keep it in the office, take that rod and just bring that with you. And every single time when you face it, something, because what the enemy wants us to forget. But the memory stop. No, I lay down that rod. It's no longer mine. It's your business. It's your church. That child belongs to you. It's coming home. <laughs> because you are a covenant-keeping God. So we're saying yes. Say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website 